Welcome to the SJBC Sunday Morning Sermon. We hope you enjoy this message brought to you by our senior pastor, Dr. Richard Carver. For more podcasts, videos, and information on our church, please visit mysjbc.org. All right, amen. Thank you. Jacqueline, our beautiful song there. Thank you, Jacqueline. I invite you to turn your Bibles with me to Colossians chapter 2. Page 954 there in your pew Bible. And, uh, I'm going to be somewhat transparent today. Uh, I, I know I'm a pastor and a, and a preacher, and, and I've been in the ministry uh, since 1986. That's a long, long time. If there's anything that I struggle with, it's, it's understanding prayer. And I'll, I'll tell you, I, I, I struggle with how do you balance what prayer accomplishes and does? And so as I come to you today, I'm really sharing with you uh, some of my thought processes. And, and a lot of this, what I'm going to share today, came from an experience with Lindsay Hester, uh, watching uh, God heal and restore her the way that he did. And uh, visiting with uh, her dad, and uh, Lindsay's dad, and he said to me, he said, I, I don't know if I can pray anymore. At that time, Lindsay was quite sick. And you don't know Lindsay's dad, but I do, and I've always had a high admiration for him and that family. <clears throat> but for him to say that to me and to Stephanie, it really kind of jolted me on the inside about prayer. And so when I got to this passage in Colossians chapter 2 where Paul's contending, I couldn't get off that word, contending. Paul is, he's almost fighting in prayer in chapter 2 verse 1. I mean, he's really struggling in prayer. And if you look in the context, Paul's not in trouble. He's not praying because he's, I mean, yes, he's in prison, but he's not in a difficult situation. I mean, he's eating good, he's cared for, he's able to, he's basically kind of on, under house arrest. He can come and go as long as there's a guard with him. He wasn't, you know, wasn't awful. Paul wasn't sick. He wasn't uncared for. He didn't have people alongside him. And yet, this word contending. Why is he struggling so hard in prayer when it's not something bad? Now, I don't know about you, I tend to pray the hardest when there's something going on that concerns me. My child's sick, or my wife is sick, or there's something going on at church, or in the country, or in the world, and I get that stuff on my mind, and that's when I generally pray the hardest. But Paul didn't have any of that stuff going on, and yet he says he's contending. And he's, he's really bound himself in prayer and this passage begin, it starts in verse 28, but we're going to go and start in chapter 2, verse 1. It's really a prayer of sorts. Paul's praying for uh, Christian believers in Colossus, but he's also praying for some folks in Laodicea, and he's praying for some folks that don't know him. He hadn't, hadn't met them yet. And he's praying because he, he wants to present, and he's contending in prayer. He has a goal in mind. He wants to present every believer perfect in Christ. Now that we know perfect doesn't mean without spot or blemish, but wants to present them mature in Christ as mature believers. And so he's, he's really struggling in prayer 
really for a good thing, a good outcome, not because he's in trouble or, or, or in heartache and he was laboring to the point of exhaustion. He was agonizing for them in prayer. And when I, I take what I watched happen with Lindsay, when I, and then her dad sharing that with me and, and with Stephanie, and then now Lindsay's mother has cancer. She has surgery at the end of this month. And watching this family, and then to listen to how their faith is held, and then watching the recent events with my niece, that's a picture of prayer right here. So let's read this together. <clears throat> Page 954 there in your pew Bible. Paul says, I want you to know, and he's not bragging, he's not He's not trying to show off. He's not being egotistical or arrogant. He's being very humble. He's saying, I want you to know that I'm not giving up. I want you to know that I'm hanging in there praying for you. And I want you to know that that's whatever's happened in your life, you're not alone in this. So he says, I want you to know how hard I'm contending struggling, wrestling, striving in prayer uh, for you and those at Laodicea and for all those who have not met me personally. And my goal, his reason for this kind of praying is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love. So there may have been some distress in their hearts, but he's contending for them. And that they be united in love. Why? So that they may have the full riches of complete understanding. Well, understand what? And why? In order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, and in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So he's giving us some character traits of Christ. In Christ, in in our God, are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So if we want to access the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, then he would be the source that we would go to, not somewhere else. And he says, I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding philosophies or arguments. For though I am absent from you in body... I'm still right there with you because I'm contending in prayer. I'm there with you in spirit. And I delight to see. Now, he's not with them. But he can see how disciplined they are and how firm your faith in Christ is. Let's think about prayer this morning. If you think about Well, my prayers, typically my prayers are pretty calm and pretty comfortable. I pray, when I pray, I pray a lot of the same things the same way a lot of the time. If if I pray for a meal, I generally say the same thing when I pray for a meal. If there's something going on and I'm visiting somebody in the hospital, I generally pray kind of about the same thing for somebody that's in the hospital. And my prayers are generally pretty calm. but, But Paul here... This is not a calm prayer. 
I mean, we read it and we, we feel a calmness. We know it's the Bible, but this is not a calm prayer because he said, how hard I'm contending for you. So he's, he's really flexing some spiritual muscles in prayer, but it's not in a distressful situation. He's not in, himself in distress or, or, or under duress. And, and that doesn't mean for us that, that our prayers are more effective if we kind of muscle up some kind of physical energy to, when we're praying. That's not what Paul's saying. He's down on his knees contending. He's probably laying flat on the floor praying for these people, contending for them. And so when we look at this, it's not that we want to kind of work something up. That's not what Paul's saying. And nor do we have to, to wrestle with God to get him to meet our needs. That, this song here was wonderful. And what a friend we have in Jesus that we just sang. I mean, all those elements. You got people bailing on you? Not Jesus. You got storms going on in your life? Go to Jesus. I mean, those two songs, that, the one Jacqueline sang and one from heaven, are, are wonderful testimonies that God meets our needs. But, but Paul is describing for us in this passage spiritual striving. It's, it's a kind of prayer life that the child of God needs to exhibit and live in. So this is not calm praying. It's not benign praying. I mean... He is working up some spiritual muscle through the Holy Spirit. Now, spiritual striving or contending in prayer is God's power at work in a person's life. So whenever we come to that place of prayer and we begin to contend, where we pray hard, not in physical energy, but in spiritual energy, not in physical strength, but in spiritual strength, then we reach a place where God's power is unleashed in us through that action of prayer. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't have that happen very often. Now, there are people in this room that I've been in prayer meetings with them, and that happens every time they pray, and I'm a little jealous. I mean, I covet their ability to pray. I want what they have. But we can all have it. Now, I'm not talking about long prayers. You could pray powerful prayers, and they'd be real short. You know, you can pray some humdingers, just a few words long, and get a hold of God in a powerful way. So I'm not talking about long, lengthy prayers. I'm not talking about the vocabulary in prayer. I mean, you can throw in all kind of little phrases and sentences and all sorts of things in your prayer to make it sound pretty. Now, I'm not talking about that either. I'm talking about a spiritual fervor that comes from inside us that it doesn't matter the words you use. It doesn't matter if you're praying out loud or silent. It's how you approach God in a spiritual strength because He has the ability to meet every need. Now, Jesus taught us how to pray, or at least gave us some clues. And we're going to do a Jacqueline mashup, but we're going to look at Matthew and John and Jude. And if we take these parts of Scripture and push them together, we learn something about prayer. For us, and when Jesus teaches us to pray, Prayer is directed to the Father. So we pray in a fatherly direction. But as we're praying to the Father, that prayer that we pray passes through the Son and is empowered by the Holy Spirit. So when we come in this action of prayer, we begin to strive in prayer, contend in prayer, 
We are experiencing the triune God all at once. We're experiencing God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit in that action of prayer. So as we pray now, we can understand that, that we're coming to God, the God, as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus said in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, verse 9, He said, this then is how you should pray. He doesn't say, he's assuming that we're praying. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So our prayer is directed towards the Father. And then Jesus says in John 14, when we pray to God the Father, Jesus says, I will do whatever you ask in my name so that, the Father may be glorif- so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. So we pray to the Father. It passes through Jesus Christ. But then in Jude 20 it says, and praying in the Holy Spirit. The unction, the power, the contending that Paul is expressing in chapter 2, verse 1, that hard praying that he's doing is a reflection of the Holy Spirit's work in his life in that moment of prayer. Now for us, if we want to pray contending, I mean, there's things going on in your life that are driving you nuts. You need God to intervene. Your children, your spouse, your employer, your neighbors, your house you're buying whatever it is you're doing you got stuff going on and you need God to do something about it you need him to move you know what you can't do anything it's it's beyond your ability to influence you need God to get in there and fix it because you can't I it's beyond us like Lindsay that cancer would have taken her life and I know that medical science was used to bring healing to her body. But I'm going to tell you, God was behind the whole thing. There were hundreds and thousands of people praying for that girl all, all over this state. If we want to have that kind of prayer life, we've got to know who to pray toward, who to pray through, and who better be empowering us. Now, that when you have those three things happening at the same time, and this is what Jesus taught us, then you can pray powerful prayers that will affect and change what's going on in your family, in your workplace, in this world, everywhere. Because there's nothing that's beyond the touch of God. I mean, He's God. Now, when the Spirit is at work in our lives and we're praying like this, folks, we can pray pray some mighty prayers. And we can pray those prayers in God's will. Whenever we try to pray prayers that are just, we pray them so often we don't really know what we're saying. I mean, you can pray. Have you ever prayed at a meal with your family and then you start eating and then somebody say, oh, we forgot to pray? Has that ever happened to you? If that has happened to you, oh, we forgot to pray, but you did pray, you, I'm going to tell you, your prayer was not directed to the Father through Jesus empowered by the Holy Spirit. All you did was say a bunch of words. Didn't even get any higher in your ceiling. Now, if we're praying those kind of prayers for our family, for our employment, for our health, it's no wonder we're not seeing any results because we're not praying to the Father through the Son empowered by the Holy Spirit. See, there, there's a key understanding. Watching when Paul says, how hard I'm, I want you to know how hard I'm contending for you. 
He was working. He was working. Now, the Holy Spirit helps our praying. And He helps our praying by teaching us God's Word. And as we learn and know God's Word, it's amazing then how we can, and He shows us how to pray in God's will. It just happens. You don't have to try. It just happens. Because you're studying God's Word. Now, there are times when we don't feel like praying. I'm going to tell you, there's times I don't feel like praying. There's times sometimes I'm mad at God and I just don't want to pray. Have you ever been mad at God? Or disappointed? I mean, we all have. David broke umpteen psalms about, God, I don't want to see you today. Will you just leave me alone? I mean, if David felt that way, it's probably normal for us to feel that way too. There's times I don't feel like praying. There's times when I don't know how to pray. The situation is such that I just, I do not know how to pray. There's times when I don't even have the strength to pray. I mean, I just don't have it. I can't utter a word of prayer. I just don't have it in me. In truth, that's the time when we need to be praying the most. Because we have become vulnerable. We are no longer contending in prayer we're now living through the flesh. We're trying to do it in our strength. And when we don't know how to pray, when we don't have the strength to pray, and we just don't want to talk to God, the problem's not with God. Y'all know that. Something happened here. It happened here. And we have to work on that. The resurrection power of Jesus Christ is available to us in that moment of prayer. Now, if we could go around the room and just touch each person and say, what do you got going on? Every single one of us in this room can roll out a list of things that are hurting us today. Hurting our heart, hurting our mind, hurting our finances, hurting our family, hurting our health. We, we, we could all just roll out a list of stuff that we're hurting. We live in a fallen world and we're going to hurt. But there is a power inside you that's uncommon in the rest of the world. And it's the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. If you will pray in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, I'm going to tell you what, you can pray the socks off somebody. Ephesians chapter 3 says this, Now to him who is able, folks, Jesus is able, there is nothing that he's not able to do. Nothing. Now to him who is able to do. You know, he's a doing God. He can do all kinds of things. You need something done in your family, Jesus can do it. You need something done at your work, Jesus can do it. You need something done with your health, he's the one who can do it. You need something done in this world, it's Jesus who can do it. And when he does it, we can't even measure it because it's immeasurably more than we could ever think to ask about. I mean, we want to pray for a slice of the pie, and he says, no, I'll just give you the whole pie. We, we would never think to ask for the whole pie. Just give me a slice, Lord. More than we could ask or imagine. And how is he able to do that? Because according to his power that is at work, and where it says us, you can put your name. According to his power, that's at work within Richard Carver.
you can put your name right there. Did you know he's working in you? Even when you don't feel like it? Well, you don't have the strength. He's working. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever, amen. When it comes to prayer, when you get serious about prayer, when you, when, when, and when I get serious about prayer, and we pray hard, and we begin to contend and strive spiritually, flexing our spiritual muscles, not the grandiose words, or, but flexing our spiritual muscles in prayer, the resurrection power of Jesus Christ is immediately available to you in every moment, in every situation, in every circumstance, every single day of your life because it's for every generation forever and ever. And then he says, amen, which means be it so, or that's the way it is. That's power. Now, not all of us are called to be apostles like Paul. I'm glad I'm not an apostle. But every single one of us are called to pray like Paul. That's why we have these examples. Oh my goodness, how we Christians struggle in life and we just don't have to if we would just go to the Father through the Son, empowered by the Holy Spirit. We can all strive in prayer for God's people. We can strive in prayer for our church, for our nation, for our families, for our leaders, for our ministries, all those things we can strive in prayer for. When I was going through seminary, Peter Wagner was the founder of the modern church growth movement. He had a profound effect upon me. I read his book, Bridges of Gold, and it moved me in a profound way. Profound way. He wrote this about prayer in that book. He said, God's purpose may be thwarted or it may be accomplished depending Now, this is not scripture. This is just a man. But there's some wisdom here. God's purpose may be thwarted or accomplished depending to one degree or another on the obedience of his children and their willingness to use the weapons of spiritual warfare that he has provided. Did you ever think that we could thwart God's will or God's purpose. He goes on to say, God is powerful enough to win any battle, and he can. God's sovereign. There's no, there's no conflict, there's no battle, no war that he cannot be the victor of. But even though God is powerful enough to win any battle, he has designed things so that the release of his power at any given moment of time is contingent upon the decisions and actions of his people. Now think about that. God can do anything, but he's counting on us to get it done through his power. And he closes with this. A principal weapon of spiritual warfare is prayer. Not just routine or mediocre prayers, that's those prayers that you pray when you don't know if you prayed or not. But prayer powerful enough to move God's hand. 
Don't you need God's hand to be moving in your life, in your children, in your families, in your parents? But powerful enough to move God's hand in order to turn, determine the destiny of whole nation. I'm not sure if we realize the power we have available to us when we take authority in prayer. I, I, I'm convinced I don't. I want to know. This sermon is an outgrowth of watching events happen to people that I love and care about. And I want to make a difference in my prayer life. Most of us don't realize our authority. If we did, if we realized the authority that we have in prayer, we'd be praying a whole lot more and talking a whole lot less. We'd be praying more than we'd be doing anything else. You'd be praying every chance you got when it's to the Father through the Son, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Instead of worrying about the increase of evil in our nation, we'd be on our faces before God, crying out for His intervention. Unfortunately for many, prayer is the weakest link, even in churches. We're good singers, good Sunday school teachers, fair preachers, good ministers out in the community. How's our prayer life as a church? It can only be as strong as a prayer life in your home. Your one-on-one time with God. Prayer should be the strongest link. It's the key to God's blessing in the spiritual realm. And Paul shows us that, that, that when we, we work together with God's power, we can exercise authority in prayer. Real, authentic, authoritative intercession. Real, heartfelt repentance. Folks, those are key to having authentic, powerful prayer. By exercising our authority in prayer and standing strong in God's truth, we're working together with Him to determine the future of our homes, our nations, our lives, everything about us. We have authority in prayer to actually see our personal lives and the lives of others change. We can pray change in wherever you need change to happen. We can pray authoritative prayers for our neighborhood and our city, for the people that live around us. The truth is, if we can move the hand of God through prayer, then there are things in history that will happen through our intercession that would not happen if we had not prayed them through. We can change nations and people and work environments. We can change everything through prayer. The power of prayer is just waiting for us. It's just right there. It's just waiting for us. All we got to do is just take it and receive it. Triple L went to Moonlight Barbecue Friday. over ate badly. I think I had somewhere around 2,600 calories at lunch. I couldn't quit, and it really wasn't my fault. When I, when, I got, when I got to Moonlight, they had, you know, they have three buffet tables there. They have a buffet table that has nearly any kind of vegetable you can think of, five or six different kinds of barbecued smoked meat. They have a salad buffet that just about any kind of salad you can think of, and they had a dessert buffet. Now, I didn't go over there, but Clifford tried to tempt me. He got a 
coconut cream pie that was about that tall. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, when I was there, it was the darndest thing. Every time I'd go up there, there's fresh food. It, matter of fact, one time I was standing in line, and there was just a, just a barely any little bit of barbecue pork left in this pan. And this young man walked up behind me and said, Sir, if you allow me in front of you, I'll put out a fresh pan of meat. I said, Absolutely. I stepped back. He put that, man, it looked good. I just took some extra, put it on my plate. The food, it was the best. It was mouthwatering. Every, every one of them, I looked down through that table. Everybody was eating and enjoying their lunch. It was amazing. We were just all eating and eating and eating. And the, we just helped ourselves. We went up to that buffet. We didn't have to ask anybody. The people there were more than kind. They let us, they, we could still be there eating if we wanted. I mean, it was amazing. There were hosts and servers walking around asking, can I get you anything? Would you like some more to drink? And just bringing the food out all the time. And we could go up and make as many trips as we wanted to the buffet. As many. Now, I went three times. Actually, I think I went four. Um, and I, it was the same all, every time. I could have gotten anything I wanted. It was all laid out there on the buffet table. And the host didn't care as long as I was full. That's all they cared about. Folks, now that's prayer. God has provided everything for us that we need to pray. It really is a buffet table. I mean, you can find anything that is bothering you, concerning. It doesn't matter what it is. Just go up there and God is going to replenish it. He's going to keep it full. And he's going to let you come back and make as many trips as you want. He's going to welcome you. He's going to come alongside him and say, is there anything else you'd like? That's what prayer, prayer really is, a spiritual buffet table for God's children. He's providing us everything. We're just not asking. It's there. And if you want to know the truth, you're already in the room. Because you know Christ is your Lord and Savior. You're already where the buffet table is. Because you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. It's right there. Well, get off your lazy hind end and walk over there. Get some spiritual muscle and do what we can do through prayer. Now, if we're honest, we've got a task as a church, as the body of Christ. And it starts right here on the corner of Pendleton Road and Manilaw Drive. I'm going to tell you, it's too big for us. The task that we've been assigned is... And it's really, it's more than you can do in a lifetime. But we do it one life at a time. And we can change our world starting right here. There's people reaching people at work, at school, hospitals. We're all in this together. All around the world. We want to see people's lives changed. When Jesus returns, our task is over. So... Our time is limited on completing this task. It's huge. We need the right tools to do it. The most important tool is prayer. I want to challenge you. Pray like this for our church. Contend. I pray hard for our church. Because it's only through prayer that we're going to get this job done. When we pray with that kind of authority, things happen in the spiritual realm. I had a thought cross my mind. You know, God remembers every prayer. Something my mom said after my grandmother passed away. 
She said, you know, Mamaw's prayers are still praying for you. You know, God never forgets a prayer. Every prayer you've prayed, long, short, whether you meant it or not, God remembers every prayer. All of them. And every one of those prayers that we prayed in the power of the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ directed to God the Father, every one of them has had an effect here on earth. All of them. We know that because his word will not return to him empty or void. Not one prayer is ever forgotten. When we realize the authority that we have in prayer, mighty things happen all over the earth. I mean, they happen. And all those things bring victory and glory and honor to the powerful name of Jesus Christ. We need to pray more. E.M. Bounds is a famous writer on prayer, intercessory prayer. I've got several of his books in my office. He's at home with the Lord now, but he wrote this. He says, prayer is power and strength. He says, it's a power and a strength that influences God. Your prayers influence God, and he never forgets a word. It's salutary, widespread, marvelous, in its gracious benefits to humankind. And he just says it. Prayer influences God. The ability for God to do for a person, any person that knows his son as Savior, is the measure of possibility of prayer, which means it is limitless. The possibilities are endless. You see, the prayers we pray influence God, and since He remembers every single one of you, you may be thinking, ah, my prayers, He doesn't know me. My prayers are so feeble and so weak. You may think that God never seems to answer my prayers. That, all that is just not true. It's not true. Don't ever think that God hasn't heard you or the prayers that you pray don't matter to Him. They do. The enemy is trying very hard to discourage Christian people in prayer. You know, Satan's afraid of prayer. He hates prayer. Because he understands and he knows the strength and the potential that's in prayer. And he's trying to keep this secret hidden from all the believers and cause us to make us want to think that God's not listening, that God doesn't care. It's not true. What we don't understand is that prayer takes time. You know, when Paul prayed that prayer, chapter 2, verse 1, the answer didn't happen right then. That's why he was contending and working. You know, we've got to be patient with prayer. And this is something I'm learning. We have to learn to wait and believe. And then one day, after we've waited and believed and we prayed in the power of the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ directed to God the Father, one day we're going to see that our prayers have had a mighty effect in the spiritual realm. I mean a mighty effect. So don't ever give up and think that it's not important to pray today or tomorrow or any day. It's extremely important. Never fear the future or believe the enemy's lies. We have to stand strong in authoritative prayer. Fear weakens us, makes us have unsound minds and doubt God. But the power of prayer gives us strength and wisdom. How often it is that we go about our daily activities and we forget that we're united in Jesus Christ. 
You know, as, as a child of God, there's never a time in your life when you are not joined to Jesus Christ. Everywhere you go, he goes with you. Like a tag along. He is right there. He is never not where you are. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. When you think he's not listening, you've forgotten. He's just right there. You're connected. And it's a permanent connection. Ephesians 4, 1 says you, you, it, it's permanent. That we've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. It's a done deal. You cannot become unconnected. God has great power. Jesus Christ is seated at God's right hand. He defeated that old Satan on the cross. Now we're called to enforce his authority here on earth through prayer. In many ways, we're in an emergency situation in our country, in our world. Houses on fire. Families are on fire. Cities are on fire. Nations are on fire. Your house is burning down. Right now, we're in a battle for America. Don't walk away because the harvest is ripe. Satan wants us to give up. He knows he doesn't have much time left on this earth. And he's doing everything he can to steal, to kill, and destroy. And you're some of that. He wants to kill you, steal from you, and destroy what you love and care about. We have to pray. When I was thinking about Paul agonizing in prayer, striving, contending in prayer, it's not easy to be vulnerable. He wasn't praying because it was hard or because things were bad. Because, folks, prayer isn't hard. It's just talking to your best friend about the things that's bothering you the most and then waiting for him to answer. It's not hard. There's power in prayer. Be a powerful prayer. Amen. Let's sing a hymn invitation. If you've got a decision that you need to make today of a spiritual nature, I'll be glad to pray with you. Let's stand together.